Hey there, and welcome to the United Church Podcast. We are a new church here in Seattle committed to an ethic of love. We are striving to be a people united, united with Jesus, each other, ourselves, and the world around us. We hope you enjoyed this week's homily. Good morning, or afternoon. <laughs> um, one of my favorite poets is uh, David White, and he, I was listening to, um, he had some like audio sessions I was listening to, and he, he said this phrase that's kind of stuck with me. He says, any real conversation involves vulnerability. I'll say it again, and I want you to think about that for a minute. Any real conversation involves vulnerability. What does that phrase elicit in you? What response does it bring? Do you agree with this claim? Do you disagree? Does it bring to mind a particular situation or a person or a relationship? Any real conversation involves vulnerability. There is no real conversation without vulnerability. As I've been preparing to share with you on prayer um, today, and in particular, um, the portion of the Lord's Prayer that is um, your kingdom come, David White's words keep rising to the surface. Any real conversation involves vulnerability. For me, at its core, prayer is a conversation. And it's a conversation with God, It's a conversation with myself, with my body, my mind, my heart. It's a conversation with others. It's a conversation with reality. It's a conversation with desire and longing. It's a conversation with disappointment. It's a conversation with all that surrounds us. Prayer is a conversation. And it can either be a very safe conversation or it can be a very real conversation. And when it's a real conversation, it is no doubt vulnerable. Uh, for me, uh, so, so Brene Brown, she talks about um, how we're wired as humans for connection. And that at our core, what we are about as humans is connection. And where we tend to run amok or tend to have problems is when we either feel like we've lost that connection or feel like we're, we're going to lose that connection, um, where we have fear of disconnection. She calls that shame. And she claims that kind of underpinning the shame is an excruciating vulnerability. She says, in order for connection to happen, we have to allow ourselves to be seen, really seen. And that is vulnerable. In her research, she discovered that there are those who have who are able to make strong connections. And she found four things in common um, that those people had. One was courage, and the next was compassion, and connection as a result of authenticity. And then lastly, she found that those who were able to make connections and keep connections, they fully embraced their vulnerability. When I think of prayer, as a conversation, I see that conversation is actually a vehicle for that connection. And so, in order to have have real conversation, we have to be willing to be seen. We have to be willing to do something 
even when there's no guarantees that it will work out. We have to be to face terrifying realities in our lives, in those around us, in the world. We need to fully embrace our vulnerability as a necessary aspect of life and connection, which is what we're about. And what I'm suggesting here is that vulnerability at its core is an aspect of real conversation and therefore it is central to prayer. So you may be wondering, what does this have to do about the phrase, your, your kingdom come? Um, I wanna propose to you that to pray your kingdom come is an act of vulnerability at its very core. As Aaron invited us a couple weeks ago, um, to imagine, I invite you to imagine with me, a field full of people. People from every walk of life, some are friends, some family, some even enemies. Some are people of stature, wealth, privilege. Some do not know where their next meal is coming from. Some are connected, they feel like they belong and others feel shunned, cast out, hated. Some hold places of great power, while others live under the heavy weight of oppression and feel powerless. And to this crowd, imagine a controversial figure, a man both revered and hated, standing before this strange, curious gathering of people teaching. The crowd came because they had heard rumors of his power and his compassion and kind of the unusual strange things that happened when he was around. They came because they had seen loved ones healed and neighbors that couldn't walk stand up and dance. They came because friends were freed of demon possession or they themselves had had their pains and diseases cured. They came to check out for themselves this man called Jesus who had engaged them in their most vulnerable places in their life, to listen and sit under his teaching. That is where um, Matthew, the, the book of Matthew kind of begins in the Sermon of the Mount. These, this strange group of people some have much in common, some have none, coming to sit under Jesus' teaching. And in the midst of Jesus' teaching, he begins to instruct them on how to pray, kind of in the middle of the sermon. And he begins, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. As Aaron talked about a few weeks ago, he begins with our Father in heaven, it's a statement that calls for a diverse, disjointed group of people to claim each other as family. And then to approach in unison, united, their Father in heaven with awe and wonder, as Talissa discussed last week. And then the next phrase that he says is, your kingdom come. But what, what does that mean, really? Um, at the beginning of the sermon, Jesus uh, started with what is often known as the Beatitudes. And I'm going to read those. It's actually, I'm going to read from the complete Jewish Bible version because I like how they phrased it. 
He says, how blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. How blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. How blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the land. How blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. How blessed are those who show mercy, for they will will be shown mercy. How blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. How blessed are those who make peace, for they will be called sons of God. How blessed are those who are persecuted, because they pursue righteousness, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. How blessed you are when people insult you and persecute you and tell you all kinds of vicious lies about you because you follow me. Rejoice, be glad, because your reward in heaven is great. They persecute the prophets before you in the persecuted the prophets before you in the same way. Talk about vulnerability. <laughs> um, and I imagine being in this crowd. Imagine being in this crowd with your partner whom you are currently in an argument, an unresolved argument, the one that just keeps playing over and over and over again in your relationship. Imagine being in this crowd as Jesus says these words, holding your child, knowing that you have no idea how to help them through a difficult situation or how to be a parent. Imagine looking over and seeing in the crowd the neighbor who continually trespasses on your kindness, who continually is crossing boundaries that you would rather them not. Imagine sensing the presence of an abuser, of an oppressor, who has belittled you and caused you untold heartbreak. Or being in the crowd alone, having lost the person that matters most to you in this world, or not having found them at all. Imagine being in this crowd as Jesus says these words, mulling over a disappointment or a betrayal in a friendship. Or even imagine being in this crowd, being with someone who loves you in a way that feels really uncomfortable. Because it's good and that's hard. (laughs) To pray your kingdom come in the way that Jesus instructed us with and for these people that surround us is messy. It's uncomfortable, it's uncertain, it's terrifying, it's vulnerable. To pray for God's kingdom to come is to declare your intention to hunger and thirst for righteousness, to declare your intention to show mercy, to receive mercy, to make peace, to endure hardship. To pray your kingdom come is to embrace vulnerability. It is to embrace the heartaches and the disappointments, the tensions, the uncertainties, the imperfections, and the frailty of being human. By praying your kingdom come, we lean into our vulnerabilities, the vulnerable places within ourselves. We lean in to the vulnerabilities within our partnerships, our relationships, within our families, biological or chosen, within our neighborhoods, within our city, within our state, within our country, within our world. To pray that your, your kingdom come, that kingdom come is an act of vulnerability. I also want to propose that to pray your kingdom come is an act of lament. It is to declare a longing and intention for something 
different than what we are what we currently have. It's to acknowledge that the world, including ourselves, does not reflect God's kingdom or, or ways of being. Uh, Sun Chung Ram uh, wrote a book called Prophetic Lament, a call to justice in troubled times. If you haven't read it yet, I would definitely recommend it. Uh, he st states, laments are prayers of petition arising out of need. But lament is not simply the presentation of a list of complaints, nor merely the expression of sadness over difficult circumstances. Lament in the Bible is a liturgical response to the reality of suffering and engages God in the context of pain and trouble. To echo Sintan Ra, uh, what he says here, the lament of, of praying your kingdom come cannot just be sentimental. Um, it can't just be a sentiment of empathy or sadness uh, when we face something difficult or when someone else is facing something difficult. Although there's nothing wrong with empathy, that's a good thing. Um, but it has to be more than that. It must go further. Lament must be an embodied engagement with the injustices and wrongs that we face in ourselves, in each other, and in our world as a whole. I love his use of, of the word engagement. Um, it implies to me more than mere, this, the mere sentiment, but requires longing. It requires intention to seek change. Uh, it requires us to wrestle and sit with ourselves, with God, with one another, in our vulnerabilities. It requires us to own up to the ways that we contribute to the just, injustices that are happening in our world, in ourselves and in others because we can be unjust towards ourselves. It invites us to be honest with our vulnerabilities, the aspects of our lives where we have no control or where we feel weak or lost. However, to pray your kingdom come as a lament does not require us to know the answers or have the solutions or the ability to resolve the issues at hand. We might not even be able to imagine what the healing or restoration would look like we just know that it's not how it should be. In fact, by the very nature of lament, we usually don't have the answers. We usually don't have solutions or the power or the ability to change or address or resolve what we face. That's why it's vulnerable. That's why we long for change and something to be different. So to pray your kingdom come is an active lament that the way that I am living, the way that we are living, and the realities that we face in our world, collectively and individually, are not aligned with God's heart and design for us. It is an engagement with God that begins the conversation and opens us up to see how God is at work and how we might adjust and move forward in a new reality. And it is an acknowledgement that we long for an attempt and will attempt to participate in God's kingdom, entering vulnerable situations with courage and compassion, as Brene Brown talked about. To pray your kingdom come is an act of lament. It is an act of vulnerability. And lastly, I believe that to pray your kingdom come is an act of hope. When we lean into vulnerability and lament, 
instead of avoiding it, as we like to do, I like to do that, <laughs> uh, we take steps towards a new world. As David White says, our vulnerability, and I would add our lament, becomes a doorway into a new world you haven't quite incarnated yet. I'm going to say that again. Vulnerability, and I would add our lament, becomes a doorway into a world you haven't quite incarnated yet. As we pray, your kingdom come, we start to beckon God's kingdom and invite it to inhabit us. Not necessarily us to inhabit it, but it to inhabit us. Or maybe both. Our communities, we ask it to inhabit our communities and our worlds. As we are honest about the frailty of our reality, and individually and collectively, we engage God and one another in, it, in our pain, and hope can take root. Uh, Sung Chun Ra makes a similar claim. He says, lament is an act of protest, as the lamenter is allowed to express indignation and even outrage about the experience of suffering. The lamenter talks back to God and ultimately petitions him for help in the midst of pain. The one who laments can call out to God for help, and in the outcry there is hope and even the manifestation of praise. So by praying your kingdom come, we declare that something different is possible. We risk the belief that change can come, and that is risky. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, maybe not in our lifetime, but someday. It is saying, this God who I revere and am in awe of, our Father, bring change. Bring change to me as a person in heart, mind, body, soul. Bring change to my partnership. Bring change to my friendships. Bring change to my family. Bring change to my church, to my community, to my city. Bring change to my country, to this world. Bring change. And this is a a call for change, this lament over how things are, is a very hope-filled act. It's a bold statement declaring that the things, that things don't always have to be that the, way, the way that they are. They don't have to feel, they don't have to look, they don't have to act the way that they currently do. Change is possible. One thing I do want to clarify is that in no way am I saying that hope, that praying your kingdom come, is purely a statement of blind optimism. Hope is a statement, um, in this statement is not a belief that everything will turn out the way that I want it to, um, or that it will be okay. It's not a belief that God is my genie who will grant my three wishes when I rub the lamp, or say things just the right way, or ask a certain question. No hope, true hope, is more vulnerable than that. It is a certainty not in the outcomes of what I want, but rather a faith that God is with me in my pain. And that the one day, that one day perhaps, soon, perhaps in the future, maybe far in the future, God's kingdom and his way of being in the world 
in this situation that I face will come. Hope is holding on to what we desire deep down in our bones, despite the demands and circumstances that come against it. Hope is anticipation of peace where there is war. It is love where there is betrayal. It is connection where there is severed ties. It is wholeness where there is disease, satisfaction where there is hunger. No, hope is not an optimism that refuses to see the sorrow and pain before us. It is not a blind wish for what is better. Instead, it is a difficult path to take as we face the vulnerabilities in life. Um, Dan Allender, who is a psychologist, writes, Hope is not absent of sorrow, but of refusal to allow powerlessness, a.k.a. vulnerability, (laughs) to silence our cry or to shake our confidence in God. Instead, we are to call on God to be God, to protest his silence and anticipate the day he speaks. And we are to risk despair by asking God to show himself. In essence, to pray your kingdom come is to become a people who take risks to gain what is deeply longed for, God's kingdom. To pray your kingdom come is an act of hope. It is an act of vulnerability. It is an act of lament. Praying your kingdom come causes us to enter the vulnerable, real conversation within all of our relationships, within the conversation we begin to discover, within the conversation we begin to discover change and healing, and ultimately begin to reveal to us what does God's kingdom look like in the particular situations that we find ourselves. To pray your kingdom come is an act of vulnerability, it's an act of lament, and it's an act of hope. As we close, I want you to consider where you feel vulnerable. Because that is how you enter this prayer of your kingdom come. As you identify the places of vulnerability, you can begin to lament. You can begin to hope by pursuing and anticipating God's kingdom in those places. I want you to consider where does your heart, your mind, your body, feel vulnerable? Where do you feel like the slightest bit of pressure or the right glance by someone you know? Or a particular question will break you open and leave you decimated and beyond recognition. Those are the vulnerable places. In what situation do you feel the need to be superhuman or to deny your, or push away your need or your imperfections? I want you to think about this question in several realms of your life. And there should be a slide, yeah. Um, in what, where do you feel vulnerable in relationships with your, with, sorry, where do you feel vulnerable in your relationship with yourself? What aspect of yourself do you want to hide or avoid? Where do you feel vulnerable in relationship with God? Are you angry with God about something? Because anger is usually a result of feeling hurt and vulnerable. Are you avoiding conversation with God for any reason or about anything in particular? 
Where do you not feel good enough for God's love? Where do you feel vulnerable in close relationships? Is there a real conversation you know you need to have but you haven't had yet? Are you concerned you're losing what you once had? Where do you feel celebrated in a way that makes you feel uncomfortable? Where do you feel vulnerable within community? In what ways do you feel vulnerable within this church community? Where do you feel vulnerable in relationships with this city, with your relationship with the city? Where do you feel vulnerable within our country, within our world? I'm going to end with an invitation, but it is also a bit of a challenge. At least it is for me. Um, I invite us to pray with one another for the situations and the relationships in which we feel vulnerable. The places in our lives, in our, in our relationships, and in our world that seem broken, difficult, or far from God's way of being and operating in this world. And here is where I will challenge you, challenge us, challenge myself, is I want us to pray these prayers out loud, audibly with one another. We have a mantra that you will never walk alone. But in order to do this, we have to risk being vulnerable with one another. We have to risk being seen. We have to risk lament. And we have to risk hope. So by praying out loud and sharing those vulnerable cries of lament and confession and hope with one another, we can live out this statement, you will never walk alone. And here's why I challenge us to this. Uh, First of all, Something powerful happens when we join one another in moments of ugh, in moments of lament. It may not change the outcomes, but in a way this is an act of defiance, an act of God's kingdom and hope and reality being lived out in the moment when we pray together. Second, it makes us aware of the situations in which we are hurting, in which we feel vulnerable, in which we need help or friendship or love. And from there, we can follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit and act, respond to the things that are mentioned, thus ushering in God's kingdom. So if you're like me, I'm an introvert, and I have some social anxiety, (laughs) and a lot of reasons not to trust people, Praying out loud and inviting others to hear what is at my heart and what is at my core, in addition to God, um, sounds awful. Sounds like a terrible idea. Um, (laughs) Which vulnerability usually feels that way. Um, But I challenge myself, and I challenge you to risk hope challenge you to risk lamenting together, to risk speaking out loud and praying with me for God's kingdom to come in situations and relationships that feel shaky, that feel broken. And hopeless.
doing so, together we can embody vulnerability, lament, and hope. We can embody this phrase, your kingdom come. In the next five minutes or so, I want us to pray out loud and complete the phrase, your kingdom come in, with a situation or relationship which you'd like to see changed. These prayers can be of lament or declarations of hope. I invite you to think at various levels of your life. What comes to mind within yourself, within relationships, within your relationship with God, within the situations um, that burden you, within our church and our neighborhood and our city and our nation and globally. You may speak as little as much as you would like. Some of you being here is vulnerable enough, (laughs) and I recognize that. They don't have to be long prayers and disclose all the ins and outs of the vulnerable situation. Maybe it's just a word, but let's invite God and one another into our places of ug, into our places of vulnerability into those places that feel heavy on our hearts and minds. And let's anticipate and hope for God's kingdom to come. Thank you for listening to this week's homily. If you're in Seattle, we'd love for you to join us on Sundays at noon at 1316 Third Avenue West in Queen Anne. If you'd like to support our efforts, please visit unitedchurch.gives to partner with us financially. Be in peace and God bless.